So, the last four or six weeks in the Maisie home, it's been a little wild. Many of you know uh, we have moved. And, uh, you know, it's a lot that goes with moving, right? And uh, you think looking ahead that, you know, oh, it's going to be easy. We're going to do this, and then we're going to do that. And it's all going to work out, right? Pretty optimistic. Well, along the way, you run into challenges, right? You have issues, you have problems, you have unforeseen difficulties. And have you ever faced those in life? Okay, well, there are two kinds of people that come along when you face obstacles or unforeseen difficulties. You guess which one I am, okay? When you run into a problem that you don't know how to fix... You're the kind of person, one person would be the kind of person who says, I'll figure it out myself. I'll take it all apart and I'll put it back together. And then there are other people that go, um, and then they call their dad or their father-in-law or Joe Crab. <laughs> so which one do you think I am? Yeah, I call all three of them. Yeah, that's right. So the last six weeks, my dad and my father-in-law and Joe have gotten a lot of phone calls from me. (laughs) And I can imagine the emotion that fills up inside of them when they see that call, Mike. Oh, brother. What now? Right? Joe, am I exaggerating? (laughs) Dad? (laughs) what now what could this be in the frustration that well I guess we better answer the call because you know we care about the guy whatever what is it now Mike right oh brother just so happens that the last four five six weeks or so we've also been walking through a marriage series we've been looking at Uh, the glory, the beauty, the wonder, the joy of marriage as God has made it and uh, God has has purposed it, right? And I can imagine that there are some of you in the room, aka singles, that when you hear, oh, it's the marriage series, this is the next week in our marriage series that may be thinking, oh, brother, what now? Right? Over the last six weeks, we've actually uh, heard from some that, you know, there's this, there's this sense of, well, this wonder, this glory, this experience, this joy of marriage that we keep highlighting and talking about. It's almost like we're ignoring uh, many people in the world, right, that aren't married. What about those that uh, do not have that uh, experience at this time? What, what do we do with... Uh, People that aren't married, who, who, who are single. And so we set out from the beginning to do anything but that. We wanted to appropriately preach and teach on marriage. But at the same time, our intention was not to create an old brother moment in the lives of singles. It was actually to teach, to proactively think ahead and say, hey, we want to teach you about this. The Lord may... Uh, bring you to that time, so we want you to be ready and prepared for that. 
Many of us who are married know that that in, in, in many ways, sadly enough, we weren't prepared. We weren't taught. And it would have done us really well prior to to having been so. And yet at the same time, we recognize that that it would be important to speak on something that the Scriptures also speak to. Those that are unmarried. Those that are single. Right? They're not ignored. uh, They're not cast aside in the Scriptures. That that Paul really speaks directly to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So in, and I love his language, and I'm going to even use it now. Uh, he's speaking to singles, and in this chapter, he's saying, this is for your benefit. In many ways, he's saying, this is for your profit. This is for your good. He's speaking to singles. So our heart today is that this would be for all of our profit, but more specifically, that it would be profitable, beneficial for those who are not married uh, at this time. So let's turn there, 1 Corinthians 7. What are we to do with singleness? 1 Corinthians 7. I'm going to read verses 6 through 9. And then we're going to hop, skip, and jump to verses 32 through 35. Okay. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 6 through 9, verses 32 through 35. Would love to have you follow along with us this morning. Paul says this in verse 6, Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control... They should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things. How to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord. How to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things. How to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit. Not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. This indeed is the word of the Lord, and all of God's people said, Amen.
you've known us for any length of time, you know that we have what we call a season of celebration. That's the birthday times. Okay, from May, I'm sorry, March 31st, well, really through June 4th, because nobody cares about Dad's birthday, right? Okay, just a little, uh, (laughs) March 31st through June 26th, I don't know, is that like 12, 13 weeks? We have Mother's Day, Father's Day, and five birthdays in the midst of that little window. You thought Christmas was expensive, right? So we call it the season of celebration. And everyone gets really excited. The kids and, you know, just the kids get really excited about their birthdays. And so they all have this list of things that they want. And they have their parents and their grandparents and their great-grandparents and whatever. Well, this particular celebration season... Uh, we were moving, and so there was this desire to make sure that everyone had a cute room and everyone had a comfortable place to sleep, right? Well, we moved Silas into a glorified closet. And so, uh, yeah, that was one of the downsides. One of the rooms is pretty small, but we, we've, you know, we've told him it's awesome. You know, he's, it's going to be awesome. He's like, how? Small is good, man. Small is good. So he's in this room, and so we went to great lengths to make sure he had as much room as he could. And so for his birthday, Silas got a loft bed, right? And for him, that was so cool. You know, like I get to sleep up, and I get to hang out underneath my beanbag and my books and my little desk. Wow, that is so cool. I have a ladder to get up there, right? So one of uh, his awesome grandparents decided to Say, yeah, we want, we want to give him that. So uh, another month goes by, and one of the other children, who will remain nameless, okay, Annika, uh, wanted, was a little bit like, you know, he got a loft bed, you know? Like, it's not fair. And, but she's like, she's a little different. You know, she, also, she has her little desire. She wants the same things, but she, she's a little different. So, she, so next thing you know, we're at the Yogi Bo store at Destiny. This is what I want to sleep on. And literally, she slept on it for two straight weeks. Her bed is useless. You guys know what a Yogi Bo is? It's the million-dollar beanbag. That's really all that it is. You know what I'm talking about? If you sit in one, you're buying one, so be careful. Right? That same awesome grandparent decided, yeah, it's only right. I'm going to give that yogi bow to Ani for her birthday. So what you see here is we have one giver, and we have uh, two different kinds of gifts that really, at the end of the day, serve the same kind of purpose, at least end game, right? Sleep, uh, comfort. Uh, appreciation for this new room. It's interesting that, that, that Paul is saying, uh, it, you know, and by the way, the tendency of Silas and Ani, the tendency of all of us when we look at situations like this to say, well, I wish I had that, right? Isn't that human nature? Right? You have something that, that someone has given you, but then you see what somebody else has and you go, yeah, I, I, I want that. Want that. So each person kind of in human nature says that. Well, it's interesting what Paul says. He says, now is a concession, not a command. Very important. This is not a command. It's a preference. 
I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am. Right? Paul is saying, and by the way, he's saying this, he's saying in verse 8, it's good for them to remain single as I am. So when he's saying, I wish that all were as I am, he's saying, I wish that everyone in the Lord was single just like me. Just as a preference, not as a command. I find that to be very interesting when typically, I think most often, uh, singles wish they were like the marrieds. The single here, Paul, is saying, I wish all the marrieds were what? Single. It's interesting, right? It's very interesting. Paul wishes, he, he prefers that everyone were in his state. Everyone were single. We're going to talk about why in a moment. But it's, I just find that to be interesting. That most of the time when, when we look at other people, we wish we were like them. And Paul uh, is saying, I wish everyone were like me, single. It's interesting, right? A little unexpected given the crave of the human heart to have this kind of connection. But then he goes on to say something that's really important for us to look at. He says, I wish that all were as I myself am, but, right, there's this understanding, there's this recognition that that's just not the way God has set things up for humans. That's just not the way it is. Not everyone is the same. Not every situation is the same, right? That really, he says this, each one has his own gift from God. Right, that that's the way that God has ordered things. Uniqueness, unique situations, unique uh, experiences, right? And really what he's doing here is dividing this into two. He's saying each, some have the gift of what? Marriage. Others have the gift of what? Singleness. It's all according to the way God apportions it. He's saying it's not up to me to decide who's in what state. That's up to God. And that's an expression, a manifestation of God's grace. Marriage is what? It's a gift. We've lifted it high as such. It's a wonderful extension of God's grace. But the shocking thing that we see here that may go against our feelings or maybe even societal expectations is that Paul is saying something radical for the day. He's saying that singleness is a gift as well. That to be single is an experience, it really is an expression, a manifestation of the grace of God. That to be single has its own giftedness, right? That not just the married folks are blessed and graced, but no, the singles in the Lord are also blessed and graced by God. So if you're married, Praise God for His grace. If you're single, praise God for His grace. Isn't that an awesome thing? That no matter what situation we are in relationally, we can all praise God for the expression of His grace, however that's worked out in our lives. And of course, we can always look at things half empty or half full. You can be married and grumpy as all get out with your situation. <laughs> I wish I were single, right? You can be single and be grumpy as all get out and wish I were what? Married. 
You know, many of us have an Eeyore mentality about life. No matter what God gives us, I wish it were something else. Any amens to that? Hey, we live in the Cuse, right? We're Syracusians. Anything that happens pretty much is a negative, right? Well, it's good. It's nice out. Well, the snow's coming, right? It's true. So I think we can understand that. But I think it's, it's very foundational and hopeful for us to look at marriage and singleness in the body of Christ and say, look it, both situations, no matter if we're married or we're single, both of which are experiences, opportunities at the very least to experience and enjoy and delight in the gift of God, the grace of God in that situation. So I want you to think about it at least foundationally along those terms. But understand this, if you can't exercise self-control, he's saying, listen, if you're burning with passion, get married. That's a gift too. And remember, we talked last week about the temptation to sexual immorality. It's real. It's horrible. It's, it's, it's ever increasing in our society. If you found someone that you love, that loves God, and you want to get married, by all means, get married. But understand this. I wish, if it were my preference, I wish it all were like me because this is indeed a grace, a gift from God. Singleness is a gift from God, and it's a good one. And I couldn't help but think about maybe the way singles are feeling about this, not to go back to the gift metaphor, but I began to wonder, like, you know how at Christmas, when you were young, you got, like, toys, and you also got socks and underwear? And you were like, thanks, Mom. The worst were the cargo sweatpants, right? You're, you're, you're out of sweatpants, so you need more sweatpants? You know, yeah, that was me when I was nine, like sweatpants. You know, jeans were a little uncomfortable. So, you know, you get these gifts that seem to be so, like, flashy and cool, and then you get the functional gifts. So, and, and I'm not trying to say that you have two gifts, one of, a dip, one of one kind, one of another, that one of them is really cool, and the other one is, like, just like getting socks and sweatpants, right, for Christmas? These both are experiences of divine grace. Many of you may know Elizabeth Elliot, right? She was married. Her husband was martyred. And then guess what? She was single for over 40 years after that. Listen to what she said. She says, having now spent more than 41 years single, I've learned that it is indeed a gift. No, I'm sorry, not one I would choose... Not one many women would choose. But we do not choose our gifts. Remember? We are given them by a divine giver who knows the end from the beginning and wants above all else to give us the gift of himself. Guys, that's where we're going in this message today. Just a preview of the end of this sermon. He wants to give you himself. That's what singleness shows us. So singleness is a good gift from God. It's wonderful. It's different than marriage. 
but it is still a gift. And so now we turn to the how so. Verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things and how to please his wife. His interests are divided, right? The unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband, right? Why is singleness such a gift? Our world would say that singleness is a gift because basically, if you're single, you can do what you want, when you want, with whom you want, for as long as you want, without anyone ever speaking into it or demanding anything from you. You're untethered. You're on your own, right? It's, as one said, that there's no real understanding. A good friend of mine said this week, he's sitting up here in the front, there's no, there's no category for bachelor in the Bible. Married, unmarried, widows, and eunuchs, right? That's what the Bible speaks to. But yet in our society, we talk about being the bachelor all the time, right? Even me as the married guy, I get pretty excited when the wife goes up to camp with the kids. I think, I could watch an action movie tonight. Right? It's not Matthew McConaughey tonight. You know, like, I get to watch some dude with a gun. And, like, somebody beating somebody other up. And I don't have to get this comment. Well, this isn't very nice. (laughs) You know, you can just be like, yes! Right? And be a dude. Like, you're on your own. You're the bachelor. Right? You're on your own. Right? I think society today kind of paints the picture that that's the good life. Freedom from any authority or, or someone else speaking in or requiring anything from you. You get to just have fun, enjoy your life. Right? That's what. So in many ways, maybe singleness could be seen as great, as a gift in our society. But that's not what Paul is getting at here at all. That's not why singleness is great. He says singleness is a gift... Because in many ways, it is freeing you from anxieties. What do we mean by that? Well, if you're married, you know exactly what I mean by that. Right? There are anxieties, pressures, um, uh, just issues, decisions, and cares, and concerns, really is the right word that come with marriage. If you're, uh, if, if you're a, a married man and you have a wife, you have her interests in mind. This is what's, I think, so uh, overwhelming at times, I think, for being married. It's a wonderful thing, but can also be overwhelming, right? Like, on the surface, being kind of silly... Some of the anxieties are just the fact that you always have to worry about other people. Right? Like, as a dad, I think, well, what's Silas having for lunch tomorrow? I don't care. But you now have to care. Right? Did they brush their teeth? Right? Do you understand what I'm getting at? Other people's lunches. Other people's teeth. 
One time we went, I went to go fold the laundry. There were 47 pairs of unmatched socks. 47 pairs of unmatched socks. You all of a sudden have to care about 47 unmatched socks. You have to find a solution to this sin of how can we possibly have 47 pairs of unmatched socks? Am I exaggerating, man? You have to mow the lawn because you have a house. You have to vacuum. There are tons of responsibilities, just practical, that come with marriage. But I think if you think at the deeper level, right, you're concerned about another person's well-being, their spirit, their soul, their relationship with God. How are they developing emotionally, spiritually, physically? Right? Are they reading well? Are there any developmental issues that we need to figure out? Do they need to see a specialist? Do you understand what I'm getting at? How are we saving for college? Are we saving some of our resources now for a future date so that they'll be prepared for life? There are constant concerns and anxieties that come with marriage. Some silly and some very deep, some very critical and some very important. And at the end of the day, and I think this is what Paul is getting at, is each and every day, I think if, if you... You're, if you're a reasonably nice human being, you're asking yourself the question, how do I love this other person? How do I please them? How do I give my life for their joy and their well-being in every aspect of the term, physically, emotionally, spiritually? How do I please my wife? Now, I recognize that there are many husbands that could care less about how can I please my wife. And that's sad. That's not the scriptures either. But what Paul is saying is this, that I want you to be like I am because I want you to be free from these kinds of anxieties. I want you to be free from worldly things. And again, that's not to say, because again, marriage is a gift where we can live into pleasing and loving and obeying the Lord. So please don't mishear Paul, don't mishear me. But in a very unique way, because of the gift of singleness, your concerns, your energies, your times are not constantly being leveraged toward that end. That there's something else that the time and attention and availability can be leveraged for. And I think in many ways, I felt this as a husband, I wonder if you do too, that you come face to face with your inadequacy all the time. You can't do everything. You can't care about everything as a man or as a woman, can you? That we are limited in our abilities to handle concerns in daily activities. There is only so much that we can do. There's only so many hours in the day. There's only so much energy before we just have to go to bed, right? There's only so much we can handle well. And so when we have um, uh, marital and familial anxieties, it rightly so, appropriately so, takes our attention and our time and our energy. And it means that we have to say no to certain things. Or at the very least, it means that we can only give a certain amount of energy and time to certain things. Are you tracking with me? 
That's just the reality. That's just a practical reality for being a human. You can't do everything. You can't be everything. You can't accomplish everything you want in being faithful to God. And so marriage lends itself for division of devotion, a distraction of time, energy, and resources. And what Paul is saying is that singleness provides, is a good gift because it provides an advantage to a singular precision in your devotion to God in a way that married people can still do but struggle to maybe do. That they don't have that kind of precision of focus, that their devotion can easily be divided, that their anxieties and concerns can kind of lend itself to worldly things. That's just reality. That's why singleness is a gift. It provides an advantage to focused attention and focused availability to what? An undivided devotion to the Lord. And you think about Paul's experience. You think about the fact that Jesus was single. You think about the fact that Paul was single. And you read passages like in in Acts chapter 20 where it says, Listen, I consider my life worth nothing if I do not testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You know, so often in our society we attach value, worth, significance, legacy, um, and even purpose to, to family and marriage. I think there's some truth to that. But we can over-desire that and idolize that as Tim Keller talks about in his book. Right? Paul's saying, I find my fulfillment, my, my significance in the person of Christ. And, and, and really, I am consumed with everything that I am and attaching my worth, my understanding to me living into that mission. To me making myself available and attentive to the mission of God to make disciples of all nations in the world. My life is worth nothing if I don't give myself to the the testifying of the grace of God. He says in Philippians chapter 3, right? Single Paul. He says, listen, this is what I want. I want to know Christ. I want to share and have fellowship in his sufferings. You, You see in Paul this this deep longing for Jesus, this deep love for Jesus, and this this unshakable commitment to the mission of Jesus. Singleness is a gift because it it provides an advantage to, to recognizing that we live in a day and age, which he's talked about verses prior, that the time is short, that Jesus is returning. Our true spouse of church is coming. He's going to come, and he's going to judge, and he's going to bring his people to the home that he has prepared for them. That time is short. We live in a world that is awaiting the time where Christ will return. And so he understands that we need to be all about the work of the Lord. To be single is to have that, that advantage and a singular devotion, an undivided heart to God. That married people, yeah, we do that too. But it's, it's different. 
It's a gift of a different kind. And there are anxieties that come with that. So I think it's pretty cut and dry that singles are just have this advantage in the work of God. To have more attention and more availability to what God is doing in the world. Let that be an encouragement to you singles. That your significance and your worth and your contribution to the kingdom of God will not start when you have a spouse and kids. That man, you play an incredible and a vital role in the body of Christ even now. That you are building a lasting legacy in the family of God as you serve and you study and you read and you meditate and you, and you give yourself to God and his people. And married people, I think you need to have an honorable view of them. I think you need to look at them and say, look at the gift God has given them. Right? In a mutual joy that we share together. So singles, make yourself available to the purposes of God. Singleness is not to be wasted with more entertainment and more immature silliness. Singleness is something that is a gift from God to be stewarded for His glory. Right? What do we do with gifts from God? It's the key word. We steward them. We don't own this. This is not your life. This is God's. It's not your gift for your joy per se. This is God's gift to you for His glory. How do you ensure that you will not waste that gift? Make yourself available to His purposes with an, uh, with an undivided devotion to God. And in doing so, you become a representation of what? The gospel. Just like we do. You point us to the true spouse. You point us to the all-sufficiency of Jesus that even married people can say as they live in the temporal joys of marriage that, listen, that I look at my wife, she can't fulfill every need that I have. She's inadequate. My wife looks at me and she says, this guy can't do it. Only Jesus can. And so singles and marrieds together, no matter what situation they find themselves in, have this incredible opportunity to relate to God and one another in such a way that says, Jesus is enough. We don't need something else more than Jesus to be fulfilled and satisfied and to celebrate God's grace. We have all that we need in Jesus. Single people need to say that, and so do married people. So often we idolize our spouse. We have unrealistic expectations on our husband and our wives. Man, they're not meeting my needs. They're never intended to fulfill all of your needs. That's what only God can do. And I think singles have an incredible opportunity to teach all of us that Jesus is enough. And I think that that would be an encouragement to each and every one of you who are single, that you belong to something much more than a temporary family, that you belong and enjoy connection to the eternal family of God in the church. And truth be told, I think as marrieds, we need to stop saying it's kind of weird to invite each, uh, singles over to our house. Like, we should have couple friends. Eh, touche. 
I think we need to begin to treat our singles like family. Right? I think this is, this is, a, this is an encouragement to singles, this, this message. But I think it's also an encouragement to married. It's like, these are your brothers and sisters in the Lord. This is your family. And as we see, the, the current world order is passing away. That the family relationships that we have are wonderful and are given for our joy and for our sanctification. But at the end of the day, each and every one of us waits in hopes and anticipation for when the eternal family will be connected to its Lord and to its Father in the heavens. And that now is the time to experience that glory together. You belong to an eternal family. And we as marrieds need to treat you as such. I want to just say it now. Anybody wants to stop over to my place, just stop by. Okay? And be ready for invitations, singles, to come hang out with us crazy people called the Maisies. Just beware. Dorian and I may sneak off, take a little walk, and leave you there with the kids, too. You know, just, just, a, little, just a little bit, you know? We need to treat each other as family. Open doors. And not be isolating each other from one another. This is the wonderful thing known as the church. Singleness is a gift from God. It provides an advantage for a undistracted, undivided devotion to Christ. It's always about Him. The truth is, I think that many of us still, while we love God, have these cravings and longings. And, and, and oftentimes it slips into idolizing of temporal joys and realities. We love this life too much. We want the joys of this life too much. We've attached fulfillment and, and, and the experience of love and all that thing to human temporal relationships too much. But we need to be finding ourselves at, at the foot of the cross celebrating the all-sufficiency of Jesus Christ. You'll never find joy and fulfillment in another human being like you will in the person of Christ. Singles, be encouraged by that. You have all that you need in Christ. Marrieds, you don't have all that you need in your marriage. You need Jesus. Jesus alone is sufficient to give you the identity and the grace that you need. For life. He's the end all. He's the be all. He's that for all. That's Christ. And you know, there's a guy in our church that wants to be married, clearly. But in his singleness, he understands this. He's learning it too. He's growing in his understanding. You guys know who I'm talking about. Uh, we're going to put him up in a video. He's going to share his story. And uh, I think all of us will be encouraged that no matter what situation we're in, married or single, um, it's all a gift from God for God, right? To be stewarded for his good. Let's watch the video.
I want. Anybody who has uh, met me You know, to be a part of a historic faith, uh, to be a part of the grand narrative of historic redemption, to know the only living God, that's what I want. Forget me. single uh, and that is where God has me right now the most difficult part about being single is um, is the times when you're alone um, it is those uh, those battles with lust um, with with sin. When I developed the category of family worship, I started to understand that it wasn't, I can't have family worship because I'm single. It was, I have family worship and I'm single. And my family worship uh, will just grow as or if people get added. I'm blessed regardless of whether I'm single or not. Uh, I have an intimate relationship with the only Sovereign Lord and nothing else matters. Forget about it. Forget your singleness. You know, forget your marriage. Oh, I want to be married though, so. <laughs> forget your singleness. Forget your marriage. But he does want to be married. It's about Christ. If you know him, if you know the Lord, you have him. If you place your faith and your trust in the all-sufficient work of Jesus Christ, you have all that you need. If you've not done that, today's the day to do that. To look to Christ, to see who he is, to see his cross, and to say, he's all that I need. Singles or married, Christ is enough. I pray that this was an encouragement to singles. There's so many more practical considerations about how to walk through life together in the body. Even about finding a mate or, or uh, finding a spouse or, uh, and how to walk through that. We didn't get into all that today. It's our hope, though, that you would see that as someone who's married... Um, and, and enjoys the gift of marriage, that uh, we enjoy having each and every one of you in this church, and we need you. We need you. We need everyone, every man, woman, and child, single or married, to reach every man, woman, and child. And I want you to know that I see you as a brother and as a sister in the Lord, and that you're very much a part of this family.
And it's all because of Christ. If you've given yourself to Christ, if you've trusted in him, you have everything that you need. So may that be an encouragement to singles. May that be an encouragement to marrieds. You know, you have Christ. You have all that you need. Don't, don't make your spouse Jesus. They will not meet all your needs. Only Christ will. Turn to him. Let's turn away from marriage idolatry on either end of the spectrum, married or single. Let's turn away from family idolatry. And let's turn to God. Let's turn to Christ. Let's turn to his people. And let's turn to his eternal plan for us in Christ. Amen? Singleness is a gift from God. Let's all celebrate that grace on display in his people. Amen? Amen. Band, come forward. Father, we give this time over to you in Christ's name. So much more could have, should have potentially been said. Could have been said better. Could have been said worse. But God, it is your word. And we trust in it. And we entrust these folks who are unmarried into your hands. We pray you give them joy. We pray that you give them grace and strength. We pray that you protect them from sin. We pray that you would enfold them into the family life of the body of Christ. Lord, I pray that marrieds as well would see the all-sufficiency of Jesus. It's all about Christ. It's never been about anything else. He's the be-all, end-all, for-all. And so we turn to him. We sing of him. We trust in him. In Christ's name.